Well, it's great to see everybody here on this uh, nice, snowy March day, right? So as Mike mentioned earlier, we are continuing here in Lent in the book of John, right? And lives Jesus changed. So why are we doing that? I think it's a great question. So for the teaching team, for me personally, part of this is just for us to see how we relate to those historical accounts. They're for a purpose. And I don't know if you caught Tom's message in the sanctuary a couple weeks ago as he started, and he had a couple, few questions, and I really liked those. And he said, you know, who do these stories represent today in our own lives as we think about relating to them? And how can they inspire me, each of us, in the days, weeks, and months to come? So I think that's a key point as we explore these accounts. In addition, I hope it makes us want to have and give time to Jesus. Time to reflect, time to pray, to see the God of the universe is trying to transform our lives as well. And I hope you're taking Clayton's words, as he mentioned. Maybe you've joined a text group. Maybe you're going to some of the prayer times in the, in the prayer tower with worship. Those are amazing. If you haven't, I would encourage you. But you'll never regret time with Jesus. I promise you that. So as we start this morning, Preston, if I could have that first slide. I want, I want to just take a minute as you center yourself, as we went through some great, great worship. Thank you, worship team. Reflect on this question just for a minute. What are your expectations today? Not just of the service, not about the message, but in life. What are you expecting from God today? So just take a minute to just reflect on that. As you come out of that, I don't know if you're like me, but there's many expectations that were going through my mind. And see, having expectations is a good thing. We all need to have expectations. But I don't think we take the time to really reflect and evaluate our expectations. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes I think we have expectations and sometimes they're surpassed, right? We create this expectation and somebody surprises us. I'll give you a quick example. We had the opportunity to go with my daughter's band on the, on the trip to the Rose Bowl. I don't know if you heard a little something in December about uh, some airline problems with Southwest. 5.30, two days before we were to leave, I got a text that said, your flights are canceled. <laughs> that created some anxiety, right? Because I had expectations six months ago when I booked those flights that they would get us there. You know, maybe an hour too late, maybe a worst case, maybe a day late, but there were no flights on any airlines in a six-hour radius until January 1st, which would mean we would miss most likely the Rose Parade. Now, so after a, a whole bunch of scrambling and things, we, we were able to find a flight and we got out there. But what I'll tell you, so in that frustration, but Southwest surpassed our expectation over the next two weeks. Why? One, it refunded my money, didn't give me a voucher that I had to use on their airline. They sent us a note, I know it was a generic note, but they gave us each $300 to use on future flights that would not expire still a good thing. Then two, but they said, document your extra expenses. You know, what did you have? So we turned in our new flight and the extra night of hotel. Thinking I would, you know, my expectation was, okay, they, if they do the right thing, maybe they'd give me the difference since it cost me more, about 800 bucks. Two days later, they said, you will be receiving a check for the full amount 
of our replacement flight. They surpassed my expectations. But sometimes, sometimes our expectations are not met, are they? Sometimes we have expectations we've misplaced. We've wrongly placed them in something else. Perhaps it's when you expect your kids to take out the trash or maybe to put the dishes in the dishwasher, right? But did you really set that expectation? Did you remind them this week? Because if we don't, we're relying on, you know, the expectation we had in our own head or that we had said maybe a long time ago, which is not fair. And that can lead to discouragement, frustration. And see, this morning we're going, we're going into John, into two stories, two different people whose lives I would argue were unexpectedly changed by Jesus. They had misplaced, misplaced expectations in the world, but then Jesus shows up. So today, can we expect the unexpected with Jesus? So our first story, if you have Bibles in the back, there's some, or your own devices, we're going to be in John chapter 4, starting in verse 46. And the first story will take us to the end of chapter 4, and then we'll unpack that a little, and then we'll go to the second story, which starts in John 5. So again, John 4, verse 46. It's on page 1053, if you have the church Bibles. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged, begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my son dies. Jesus replied, go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believe. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. See, I think this is interesting. I don't know about you. There's a ton to unpack, and we will not get to it all today, and I'm going to apologize. I have a little bit of a cold. Um, the first thing he says is, once more he visited. Right? This was the place of the first miracle where Jesus took water into, changed water into wine. Right? People were abuzz about that, and they'd started listening to all the stories they'd been hearing about Jesus since then on his journey. And now he's back. He's back in town. The town's abuzz, and now this royal official comes. So I wonder, as I read you know, all these stories through Len as we go through them, but as I was reading this over the last few weeks and preparing, why is this story, why is this story included? Of all the stories over Jesus' three years ministry, why is this story, both of these stories included? So I wonder, you know, this is a, a royal official. Some translations a nobleman, right? This is like a Bill Gates or maybe a senator, a congressman or congresswoman. 
So I'm wondering why is this in the story? And I, I wonder if it couldn't be for us today is because he was in control, right? Most anything he wanted, he could get. He had a house, he had friends, right? He could get the best health care. He could get whatever he wanted. There was probably a Chick-fil-A, you know, a mile down the road. <laughs> he had expectations that came with his position and wealth. What he, want, he, what he wanted, he got. I wrestled with that. Does that sound a little bit like us today? See, I, I would guess most of us here today, most of us, live above the median income for Marion County. For sure, I would guess all of us live above the world average of $10,000 per year. Again, I would guess most of us can, you know, have the food we need on the table. We can go out to eat once in a while. We have some type of shelter. We have friends. We're kind of in control of our lives. Is that maybe a fair assumption for us today? See, we in America, we have this sense of entitlement, don't we? And perhaps that's what the story is here and poking at a little bit. Because this person, right, in our own terms, he has access to Pella's great health care. He can get referred to a specialist in Des Moines if he wants to, and his insurance will even cover it if he goes to Mayo, right, one of the best medical facilities in the world. He has access to a plane to fly his son anywhere. He's used to being in control of the situation, but now his son is dying. He's made the phone calls. He's met with the doctors. Money and power can't buy him holiness or healing. But he remembers Jesus. He remembers this man's healing, these stories. He's been watching in curiosity since he was in town the last time. And now he has a different expectation, right? He comes from Capernaum about a day's journey. And his expectation is, if Jesus could only come back to my house, my son could be healed. And I don't know, I know some stories in this room. Sometimes we want healing, right? There's things going on. I know one story in our own life when Drew, our, our oldest son, was six months old. He went from 25 pounds to 20 pounds in a week. If you don't know, that's a bad thing for a little kid. So we, we didn't know what it was. There was countless tests, stool samples taken, whatever would, you know, nothing would stay in. If it did stay in, it didn't stay in long. There was sleepless nights because he wasn't sleeping. Michelle and I took turns and... For those of you that don't know, sleep deprivation is a torture for a reason, right? I become a jack wagon without sleep, <laughs> that is for sure. There was frustration, there was anger, there were prayers. But why? We begged. What's going on? You see, I, things are, when things are good, it's easy to forget about God, isn't it? But when life's troubles come our way, we look to heaven. If I can have that second slide, Preston. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world. And see, in verse 48, if you go back to the text, he kind of pokes into this. He says, you always want signs. 
and wonders. He says this to the whole crowd. He says it to the noblemen. It's a bit of a rebuke to them, right? It's like, come on. Because Jesus has a different expectation, not in the world. You see, Jesus wants belief. Do you believe? Pasteo is the word. A deepening belief, a greater understanding of, of who Jesus is. And as I was reflecting on this, and I was thinking about the last month or so here in our own church family, in our community, there's, there's been some hard times. So do we have that rock of understanding through repentance and the grace of Jesus we celebrate through Lent and through the resurrection that no matter what comes our way, whether a miracle happens or whether it doesn't, when we're dealing with cancer, mental, mental health issues, divorce, a stroke, are we rooted in a place, as Paul says in Romans 14.8, that whether life or death, we who believe belong to the Lord? Do we believe that this morning? See, we have to have that foundation. I think that's one of the things that is teaching us this morning. We have to believe. Because when hard times come, we will struggle. We will struggle. When Drew wasn't healing, we were asking why. But I had people around me praying for me and helping me to rest in God's assurance of the long game. God's ultimate will to believe God's promises for me and my son. But then we see the official finally get it, right? See, he was insisting Jesus come and the only way to heal his son was for, us to, for him to come to him. That was his expectation. And it's understandable, right? We can kind of see this in the, in the story a little bit. We can kind of relate. Maybe it's like, hey, Jesus, don't you know he came from a long way? I mean, he's missing out potentially on last moments of spending time with his son. Won't you just go heal? We get caught up in what we want. But in one act, Jesus says, go, go. Your son will live. And I think we miss that, but in that moment, the official believes, right? Go was a command and he obeyed. Jesus is in control, not us. We have to remember that. And this official goes in faith, giving up his expectation and building his belief one step at a time as he goes back to his home. And then the servants, his servants come out and they meet him. And he says his son was healed. It was the seventh hour and there's something to unpack there, right? Seven, perfect number. We don't have time for that today. But I love this, that now belief came to him, his whole family, and a community. As Kathy mentioned last week, transform lives, transform communities. It's a great picture of that. And see, in, in our own situation that I was unpacking, Drew was healed somehow, someway. Doctors never figured it out. It was probably some virus or bacteria they couldn't, they couldn't test for or didn't know about. But you see, my faith grew through the process, not from the healing. And that is what God is after, our hearts, our faith, our belief in all circumstances. No matter what ups and downs, twists and turns of the roller coaster of life come our way. That is his expectation in a life transformed. 
to our second story, John chapter 5, starting verse 1, the healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get healed? Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again, but stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Now, I love reading verses, but if some of you may be visual learners like I am as well, and I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, I would highly encourage you to do that. It really helps bring things to life. And I want to show just a little bit of this clip through The Chosen so we can see this. So if you could roll that for me, Preston. Powerful, right? On the surface, it seems like this is a different story. Right? Jesus now goes into Jerusalem, time of festival where they're networking typically with other people and the powerful, but he takes his disciples to a different place, a place where the lame suffering are. And I love the words, Jesus saw him. Isn't that what we all long for? To be seen, known, and loved? To come to a place of refuge? Jesus knows this person. 38 years he's been waiting, wanting, believing he can be healed by these water. Jesus knows his story. He knows our story. He knows your stories. All of them. Psalm 139, you discern my thoughts from afar, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it. Jesus asks a simple question. Do you want to be healed? See, he has put his expectations in what someone, a man, could do and bring him to the waters. And secondly, a superstition about what those waters could do. But where does he go? As he's asked, blaming others. (laughs) Do any of us blame others? (laughs) I'm guilty of that. How many of us at some point, as we see what's going going on in our lives, stop 
looking to God, feel we are stuck, and it's all someone else's fault. As I look at social media, I would say over the last five years, right, pick your poison. Mass, no mass, school choice, library books, this president, that president, or maybe it's a personal struggle with a friend, a family member, health. What's the use, right? We get to that point. I have no one, everything's bad, it's meaningless, hevel, right? Back to our Ecclesiastes series last fall. And then we turn to blame. It's the system's fault, capitalist's fault, nationalist's fault, public school's fault, police's fault, immigrants' faults, whatever, right? Pick your poison. But do we also miss Jesus because we are expecting something else? Our expectations are in a government, are in a school, are in a church, are in a preacher versus being in Jesus. Do we, do you want to be healed? That is the question I've been wrestling with for myself and I think that's what God is calling us each and every day with that question to reflect on. Do we, do you want to be healed? Then we see Jesus with compassion, he says in love, get up, pick up your mat and walk. He gave him something he wasn't expecting. Pick up your mat, right? I love music. As many of you know, this is like for king and countries, burn the ships, right? You're not going back there, right? Move on. I love it as Peter in in the video, as he he said that, not going to need that anymore. See, Jesus can help us all with our spiritual paralysis. That is the gospel and power of Jesus for everyone, every day. We all have a mat we need to stop resting on, excuses we need to let go of. Jesus has something more for us, for you, for you. And I love it. Jesus doesn't wait for our right responses in both of these accounts today. He offers us love, compassion, forgiveness, and grace first. He stands at the door. He's knocking, waiting for us to let him in. All we have to do is repent. That is the truth of the cross and the resurrection. A couple more quick notes. He, he heals on the Sabbath. This is, in my, my idea, this is intentional. John Piper is a theologian and pastor. I love what he said. He said, conflict in the ministry of Jesus is where the steel of his identity is forged. In the fires of conflict, his glory is made to shine. See, Jesus induces conflict. Truth and grace. He doesn't shy from it. Our flannel Jesus picture is wrong, right? Yes, there is love. There is grace. But there is intentional conflict throughout his ministry. Jesus knew they had taken the Sabbath, the laws that it created. Instead of 10, now there was 600 plus, right? Including one you couldn't spit on the ground. Why? Because water mixed with water, or water mixed with dirt makes bricks. Making bricks was work. So that was the theory. So they had, you couldn't spit on the ground. Crazy, like mowing your lard, playing golf. Jesus is saying, I'm God, you're not. If it gives life, it's part of the Sabbath. Last point. After Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. 
See, Jesus wasn't just after the healing, he was after his life. Don't go back to your old ways. I want you for eternity. God wants you, all of us, for eternity. He wants our belief. He wants our belief. And it's crazy to me that until Jesus come back, we meet him in our brokenness and receive the power of his forgiveness, his love, his pursuit of us. That's unexpected from the king of the universe, right? So now if the worship team wants to start coming back up, I, I would be amiss in these two stories. Yes, there is miraculous healing and God does work in that way today. But even biblically and now today, it's not always. Why? God is God. We're not. That's all I got on that. But I do know the truth that all will be made new upon his return and as a resurrection bodies. That is what the gift of Lent and Easter is about. So we need to rest in the long game of Jesus. Even while praying for miracles along the way, we must have a saving faith and believe in Jesus for all that will come at us. It's unexpected, but I'm expecting it. So Preston, if I can have that last slide real quick. So maybe as you go throughout today, this week, or through the Lenten season, can you think about these questions? What is keeping you from Jesus today? What were your expectations that you maybe wrote down or put in your mind at the beginning of the service? Where are you missing Jesus because you are expecting something else that maybe Jesus isn't wanting for you? What mat do you need to pick up that you're resting on, that you're stuck in, that you need to let go of? And how can you continue to plug in to build your faith to truly believe and build a foundation that is unexpected to the world around us in hard times.